Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. On this episode, it's kind of different. Um, We are actually talking about two criminal cases and how they explore um, white woman syndrome. Um, Of course, you know who I am, I'm Kiana Earl. My major is criminology and social work. And then I'm going to have my partner introduce herself. I'm Grace Hipwell. Um, I'm also majoring in criminology and social work. And yeah, we're basically going to be looking at how the media, um, and we kind of specifically looked at podcasts, how they over-report and cover cases involving white women. And at the same time, they under-report or almost entirely ignore cases involving women of color, um, especially black women. Um, and when someone goes missing in America, the amount of press that their case receives kind of varies by um, their sex and location, but most often um, it's pretty determined by their race. And so this uh, phenomenon is basically known as um, a systemic bias um, called missing white woman syndrome. So we're going to be telling the stories of uh, Kristen Smart and Georgia Moses to kind of see how their stories were differently represented in the media. Okay, so we're going to be starting with Kristen Smart case. Um, so a little backstory. So before I start, I'm not going to go super into detail, but I highly recommend that you guys um, do your own research because there's so much detail with these cases. But yes, so Kristen Smart, she is a white woman. She went to Cal, Cal Poly University on May 25th, 1996. And Basically, she went to a off-campus party approximately at 2 a.m., passed out in her neighbor's lawn, and two students began to walk her home. Um, they saw the two people who were with, she's with a guy named Paul Flores, and I don't think the other one was identified. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes just to make sure I have it correct. But yeah, it wasn't identified. So basically, um, sorry guys, I'm just making sure I have it correct. Okay, so yeah, she was last seen walking to her dormitory with a man off her campus with Paul Forrest, and honestly, like, that was it of her, like, disappearance. No one saw her go into her dorm. No one saw her, like, on the street, and basically, this was, like, a decade-long, like, investigation, and just recently, in 2021, Paul Flores and his father were arrested with Kristen Smart's case. Um, Yeah, they said that they were both charged. Um, Again, there's really no detail about this case, but it was really interesting because doing this research, like her case was everywhere on the news. I remember hearing about it when I was like in I think like middle school and um yeah like the police were like always communicating with the family um the media was really tied into it 
yeah, there's really nothing about this case, but I recommend doing your own research. So moving on to Georgia, we have Moses. So I think this is weird. I didn't know about this, but these cases are a year apart. So I think they were like overlapping, but this case took place in New York, um, specifically Buffalo. And basically, she's African-American. She's 12 years old. And basically, her mom has a lot of mental health issues. Her father's not in the picture. So basically, she's on, she's has the role of taking care of her family. And there's just so many details about this case. Like, for example, like her school let her drop out at the age of sixth grade, which is just like, how does that even happen? Um, yeah, how does that even happen? It's like, they didn't even like talk to her mom about it. They just like, like, okay, like have a good life. But anyway, so, they bounce from house to house. And I mean, this is not said specifically, it's not quoted, but her younger sister has come out and said that she believes that she was doing prostitute work at the age of 12 because once um, Georgia took care of her family at night, she would go off and like dress up and like older woman clothing and be gone for the whole night. And then she would come at night, take care of her sister, like nothing happened. So essentially one night she went out and Georgia went out, I'm assuming to do her prostitute or to get money for her family. And she never came home. And basically the her sister Angel called the police and the police did nothing about it. They kind of brushed her off until a couple weeks later, her body was, or Georgia's body was found in like a field. And even when they found the body, they didn't even communicate that with the family. There Again, there's no coverage. When I was doing this research, um, like her name wasn't even coming up. It was like a bunch of like musicians and like other people who are not her. Um, something that's really interesting is that when Angel is still trying to get justice to this day because or Angel was like calling the police to get like more information and the police simply told her, stop calling us, like we don't have a water case. And that's just so crazy. Like, how do you brush a family away who is grieving the loss of a 12-year-old doing prostitution? Like, it's just crazy to me. So those are a little overview on the case. But again, if you want more information, um, Kendall Ray, she's a YouTuber. She did um, documentaries about both of these cases are excellent. So I highly recommend those. And then um, a little backstory of what miss what missing white women syndrome is. Sorry for the background noise. Um so basically kind of went over it, but 
missing white woman syndrome is when when a white woman is gone missing, they get so many cases or so much coverage compared to any woman of color. Um, for example, like another popular case is Natalie Hathaway. She went missing in Aruba. And I remember hearing about this when I was like in sixth grade. And that's just like crazy how young I could remember that. And then, yeah, so just basically like no, no resources for people of color who are missing. They're kind of just brushed to the side, but um, there's like no research done, no investigation. Something that I left out with the Georgia case, um, for example, like there's so many, there's so much misinformation that like uh, there's an example of when they're doing her autopsy, the family thought they identified her with her dental records, but actually it was not her dental records, it was actually her fingerprint records. So that's just an example of miscommunication in the cases, in the cases. but yeah, that's all I have for my cases. Um, so one of the things that you said that uh, stuck out to me was that um, you were, they were pretty sure that Georgia was doing um, sex work. Um, and we've talked in class a little bit about how um, there's kind of this new wave of how um, law enforcement and police um, handle like human trafficking, uh, prostitution, stuff like that. But again, this happened in um, like 1996, 1997. So back then, um, I'm assuming that obviously it was a lot more criminalized to be doing sex work. And so I also wonder how much um, that played a role into how they handled her case, especially because she wasn't just, you know, a woman doing sex work. She was a black woman doing sex work. Um, not even a woman, you know, a child. Um, so I wonder how much that kind of played into how the police and law enforcement handled her case. Um, yeah, also people are like, even if it was sex work, it's not considered sex work because she's so young and she yeah. can't give consent. So yeah, that's one detail. Um, and then you touched on this a little bit. Obviously, the coverage of Georgia's story was way different um, from Kristen's, um, which has a lot to do with um, because Kristen was a white one. Um, and you had said, I think you had written that when you were um, did like a Google search on both of them. Um, when you typed Kristen's name in, it like auto like entered like her last name. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously like very common and people know about her. And when I was doing research um, and I put her name in, um, it comes up obviously immediately. But what interests me was that one of the first like websites to click on was an FBI page detailing her case. Um, saying, you know, if you have any information, contact these people. Um, and then when you uh, look up Georgia's story, um, you have to put in her middle name in order to get um, any information that's actually on her. Otherwise, yeah, it's like artists and stuff like that. Um, but I also noticed that a lot of the websites um, for her are like way um, smaller, not just like well-known websites. And they're also... Um, websites that people who are interested in the case and even her family have created themselves. Um, one of the first ones I saw when I um, looked up Georgia was a Facebook page. Um, so just like wildly different um, 
just like search results on Google um, that I think kind of show how different the coverage on their stories are. That is so crazy. I did not know that she, uh, Kristen had a FBI like, yeah. thing. That's just, that's crazy because like what you said, like most of her, most of Georgia's cases are like only like family pages, which is just really sad. Yeah. But Well, and Kirby, did they ever um, recover the uh, Kristen's body? Or I okay, so there's a lot of mixed detail on it. I don't know. They're saying that those the father of Paul and Paul were um like arrested for her death. Mm-hmm. But that's all I could find. I didn't want to say that they had her body because there's no like yeah. actual detail on it, so I'm yeah. not sure. I just think it's interesting that they recovered George's body and still like have very little information and even though i mean we're not sure what um what the results of uh christians was but obviously they arrested um paul so i I think that's just interesting too yeah um and then in terms of like white women syndrome i feel like um i know so many um cases that have to do with white women. Um, I think one of the most recent ones that I know, and I feel like um, even like the internet in general was talking about white women syndrome um, related to this case with Gabby Petito yep. in her case. Um, so like widely talked about, it was everywhere. Yeah. And I think it's just one of like another example of how like often like these stories of white women who are like teenagers like mid-20s that they're like just widely publicized yeah um and just how many other cases go completely ignored also sorry but i interrupted you but during that time there was actually i don't know if you were hearing about this basically it was a group of black friends Mm -hmm. who went to cabo and basically killed her friend and like no one knew about it besides like I don't know. Like me and my mom were talking about, like, like, like even when I opened like social media, it was it was Gabby mm-hmm. and never the black woman at her front, which is just crazy. But that's just, just like overshadow yeah. everything else. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Um. But yeah, so every year about six hundred thousand people are reporting. Uh, missing. This was uh, in the U.S. alone, and in 2022, about 34,000 people were reported, and or were people reported missing were people of color. Um, and the thing about um, missing white woman syndrome is that it doesn't accurately report um, the reality of who is most likely to be victimized. Um, so I also think it's interesting that. Also, the reality is that men are more likely to be victimized, but because we see women so often in the media, um, I think a lot of, like, women and girls have this perception that they're more likely to be victimized, and I think um, it kind of adds to the fear and kind of the, like, precautionary measures we take as women, um, because... I mean, the world is scary, but I feel like the way that the media portrays these cases just makes it seem way scarier and kind of skews the reality that um, men are more likely to be victimized. 
Um, but the other reality is that um, black women are more likely to be victimized, but because the media only really reports on white women, it um, kind of doesn't show the realities of that, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, uh, so I entered, we found this website, um, Are You Pressworthy? Um, and so I had said earlier that when someone goes missing, the amount of press their case receives varies by their race, sex, and location. Um, so just a few like facts that I found on this website. The older you are, the less chance you have of being covered in the news. Um, data shows that men have a lower chance of being reported by on the press and people in urban areas have a higher chance of being reported um, than people in rural areas. And data shows that white people have the highest chance of being covered in the press, with black and Hispanic people having the lowest. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I ran my own um, demographics. Um, I'm 21, I'm female, um, I live in Iowa, and I, it said that I would get 128 news stories and that I would dominate news headlines. Um, and that 85 local news outlets and 43 national news outlets would cover me, and a maximum of 82.8% of Americans would hear about me. Um, and what's important about that is when more people um, just in the world, not even law enforcement, just people in general, know about your case, it's more likely that you're found. Um, and for, so Kristen Smart, I entered her information. So she's was 19, a female, white, and she was um, from California. And she would get a maximum of 82 news stories, 55 local news, and 27 national news outlets, and 90.3% of Americans would hear about her. And then for Georgia, um, she was 12, female, black, and from New York. And she would get seven news stories, and it said that they would barely cover her story. She would get five local and two national news outlets. Um, and if she had been um, white, she would have gotten um, 17 news stories and 37% of Americans would hear about her. Um, so I think that just, like, those statistics alone just show, like, just because um, she is a black girl, how different the media would cover her. And I think it's also really interesting when I was entering it in my head, I would think that like the younger um, a person is when they go missing, the more attention is going to garner. And so when I was entering her information, and obviously she's 12, in my head I thought, oh, like I feel like she would get more like news traction because she's so young and just the like details of her case. But obviously like from this, um, even though she's 12, it still says that she's not getting very much coverage and we can see that like in our own research. Um, but I, yeah, I just think that's like so devastating that she was yeah. 12 years old and just because she was a black girl, um, like her case just wasn't covered. Yeah. And that makes you think about the John Benet Ramsey mm -hmm. case of how young she was yeah. and how popular that case was again. Like I remember hearing about that like in seventh grade and my mom was like, how do you know about that case? Like, mm -hmm. she wasn't even, like, a thing when you were alive. I'm like, yeah, I know, it's crazy, but it's yeah. just, it's just shocking, like, you know. Yeah, 
Oh, and people with the Jamini Renzi case, people are still making like yeah, documentaries, but... videos about today. Like it's still so widely talked about. And I feel like if you went up to anybody and asked, like, hey, do you know this case? They would say yes. And if you asked, you know, about Georgia Moses or like any other case involving um, a woman of color, I feel like the chances of them knowing who they were is yeah is really small. Um, which I feel like also brings in obviously um, intersectionality. Um, Again, why uh, what a woman have um, less like chance of being victimized? Um, men have a higher chance, but the intersectionality of being black and a woman put um, women at more risk than um, white women. Um, and so, yeah, women are less likely to be victims of violence than men, but women are far more often murdered by men than um, men by women. And black women are almost four times more likely than white women to be homicide victims. Um, and so kind of back to intersectionality, so it's a term coined by Kimberly Carnotraw, which we kind of talked about in class, um, and it's not just about the, like, intersection of, like, these multiple identities being, you know, black and a woman, but it's also about how structures, um, in our society make certain identities, um, basically more vulnerable, and I think that there's certain structures in our world, like the media and, um, crime podcast and kind of what, what leads to that, that um, makes us kind of um, lift up these cases about white women and ignore those of black women. And um, yeah, I think it, in general, it makes um, black women specifically just uh, more vulnerable. Um, I know that we're going to talk about power and control, mm -hmm. correct? So basically, I just wanted to touch on how the power control was in George's case, so I didn't mention this before, but yeah. basically, when she was just like hopping around, she was actually living with a sex offender mm -hmm. at one point. And the, we learned about like power and control and also coercive control. Mm -hmm. and basically, coercive control is basically psychological. It's, it's really hard to prove it in court, but anyway. Not just about physical violence. Yeah, so basically, a small detail of her case is she was being sexually assaulted by Eddie, which was a sex offender. And at one point, sorry if I said Georgia was not living with Eddie. Eddie was living with Georgia, like her parents mm -hmm. home. And at one point, Georgia or Eddie was like, if you're not gonna basically like submit to me, you're gonna get kicked out of this house. Which is crazy because it's not in his house. So that's just like a symbol of course of control that he had over Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, I also think um, kind of going away from specifically how the media um, kind of doesn't cover the stories of um, like women of color, um, but I think. Um, it's also interesting that they tend to focus on women in general and they largely ignore um, men, even though, as I've said before, men are more likely to be victimized. Um, and I feel like um, in a way that's, the, you know, the media kind of um, portraying who they think um, what a victim should look like. Um, and 
we've talked about kind of like the perfect victim um, in class, and I think in a lot of people's heads, the perfect victim um, is white and not um, a person of color, um, which is, again, really interesting and also concerning. Um, but in terms of podcasts, I've talked in classes before how um, their crime podcasts specifically are really popular, especially among um, girls and women. And we've talked about kind of why that is and why women consume that type of media more than anybody else. And a lot of the students in this class that I took shared that women kind of use it as this um, precautionary measure. Um, basically, like, this is what could happen to you. And um, they become so invested in, like, the details of, like, certain cases um, and kind of subconsciously, like, internalize that. And it kind of changes the way that they, um, like, move about in the world. Um, but again, the, a lot of these podcasts cover cases of white women. And so, again, for those who are consuming it, it completely construes um, the reality of who's victimized. Um, and it's become such an issue that crime podcasts ignore the stories of women and pe um, people of color, that there are certain podcasts that are specifically dedicated to um, raising up these stories. So I think... Um, obviously, it's really concerning that the media and podcasts specifically do this, but I think it's um, great that people are kind of getting to a point where they're recognizing that it's such an issue, and people are taking the time to um, do research. And um, I don't have the like numbers on this, obviously, but I would be interested to see um, how, like, in the rise with uh, media as technology has kind of grown. Um, what people have been able to do and how many um, like cases specifically um, women of color have been kind of solved or brought to more attention um, as a result of all that. But I know that you um, listen to like more podcasts than I do and everything. Do you have any like recommendations of like podcasts that do a good job of covering? Um, so cases? to be honest, all of them get repetitive. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to them since I was like in a freshman in high school and they all cover the same cases. Like the one person that I really like uh, is Kendall Ray. I mentioned her like 20 times in this podcast, but her YouTube videos are really good. I know she has a podcast. It's not really geared to like criminal stuff. It's more conspiracy. But again, like I used to listen to like Crime Junkie, um, Dateline, and don't get me wrong, those are really good podcasts, but, like, I know all those cases from, like, head to toe, so, yeah, this, it's kind of just, like, do your own research, but, yeah, there's really none that really cover um, women of color. Um, I do listen to, like, other podcasts that are not crime, but, yeah. Yeah. I think, again, like, on the idea of like doing your own research um, and this kind of brings me back to when um, the whole Gabby Petito case was happening kind of just be like being aware of the media that you're consuming and um, not like obviously like going out of your way to like you know find all of like the like missing person cases but just being aware of um, what you're consuming and um, yeah I feel like uh, as not, like knowing the realities of how the media portrays things is really important. Yeah. Before we end it, because we only have like two more minutes left, 
we don't want to, we're not sitting here and bashing, oh, white women should not get any coverage. We're simply saying it should just be equal. So mm-hmm. don't take what we said the mm-hmm. wrong way because yeah. people can do that. But do you have anything else to say? Um, I just had one more thing that yeah. I thought was re- um, kind of interesting was that these crimes happened within like a year of each other, 19, uh, 96, 97. Um, and that with Kristen's case, even years after they went missing her case, like there was so much like renewed media attention that they investigated again. And that's what led to the arrest of like Paul Horace and his dad. But with, uh, Georgia, like you said, they've, I mean, law enforcement was basically like entirely rude to her family mm-hmm. um, and not like communicated with them. And they, I read an article that said they basically consider her a cold case and there's not much media attention um, on her case and they never found um, who killed her. But yeah, yeah, I think these stories were both just so interesting being able to see how, how differently they were covered in the media. And um, this happened, I mean, many years ago, but seeing just, like, the effects that it still has today. Because I think Paul was arrested in, like, 2022. Yeah. It was very recently. Or 20, was it 2021? Yeah, it was, like, it was 2020-something. Yeah. But it was, I mean, obviously, like, they were still actively, like, working towards solving the case. And with Georgia, I mean, there's just, yeah, they're not working on it. It's just but, done over with. But yeah. We have like 30 seconds before it cuts us off. But thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys next week. Bye.